glad to be here to uh, uh, share a message from God's Word with you. My name is Lowell Kosak, and uh, my family and I are all in here at the Livingstones Church. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk with you this morning uh, and continue in our message series uh, of supernatural power, the supernatural power that we have because of the Holy Spirit that is working in our lives. Uh, and if you have a Bible this morning, you could turn to uh, Ephesians. Our message series has been coming through uh, this uh, letter that Paul wrote uh, to these people that he dearly loved. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to continue there. Uh, many of you know that uh, I uh, work in ministry here in South Bend. I work with an organization called Impact Campus Ministries, and our, our ministry is, as, is an outreach to the college campuses uh, here in South Bend. And and this year has been a wonderful year. We've just finished up our very first year on campuses since I've been here. Uh, we, we have studies uh, going on at Indiana University of South Bend, Bethel College, and Holy Cross College. And we're very excited for, for this next year and the years to come to branch out to Ivy Tech. We have some students at Ivy Tech that are excited about Bible studies happening there. And, and St. Mary's College, we have some some young ladies that are coming to our fellowship, and, and our hope and our desire is to eventually get on the campus of the University of Notre Dame. As I look at those campuses, as I walk those campuses, as I meet students and I meet faculty and, and people that are associated with those colleges, uh, a question kind of comes to my mind, what, is, what would be the most godless campus in the United States? I don't know that any of the ones here in South Bend would maybe be considered like that, but I'm sure that there are some that you might be able to think of that are those typical party colleges. Donald Miller, in his book, Boobaz, says that the most godless campus in the United States is one that he was associated with, Reed College in Portland, Oregon. You may not know of that college unless you read the book, but that's what he said. In his experience, he said that this is the most godless campus in the United States, Every year, the college puts on a festival called Ren Fair, where they shut down the entire campus so the students can party. Now, I like a good party, but this isn't the kind of party that probably you and I would uh, generally be a, a part of. The campus security keeps all of the authorities outside from, from coming into the college campus. They bring an outside organization that is there specifically to help students on their bad trips as, as they indulge themselves in drunkenness and in drug use. Everybody gets drunk and high, and he says that even some people get naked and run around. Not quite the party that I want to see any of you or myself as a part of. And he said that while he was there, that there was a, a small group of, of individuals that were like him, good friends, that, would, that were Christians, and they wanted to reach out to the campus. They wanted to reach out to the campus. And as they did that, they, they, uh, they would look out during this, uh, this time of festival, or this time of hedonism, and this time of celebration and ask, how do I respond to that? How do we, as Christians, deal with this? I think... Paul kind of uh, understood that and wanted to communicate to the efficient people the very same thing during these days, as Paul is writing this letter to the people in Ephesus, they didn't have to look very far where they would see the temple of Artemis. 
who was the goddess of fertility. And every year they would do something very similar to what they found at Reed College. They would engage themselves in all kinds of hedonism. And, and it was constantly a part of the activities of the temple in, in that day. And as the Christians would gather together in this community and try to live out like Christ, they would ask the same questions. How do we respond? What do we do? Some of them, I'm sure, would be like many of us. We would hide away, just kind of turn a deaf ear to what was going on up there on the hill. We kind of turn a deaf ear to the society around us, and we kind of hide in our buildings. We kind of hide away. Others, some, they give in to that. They, they live out their Christian walk on a certain day. They kind of compartmentalize their, their faith into maybe one day of the week, kind of like maybe we do sometimes on Sunday. But then the rest of the week is fair game. Because I can leave God in this place, but then when I leave this place, I can do whatever I want to do. I think that neither response is effective for us as Christians. And I think neither response pleases God at all. Because as we have been speaking about already these last few weeks, that we have a unique power because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I kind of liken it to the, the superheroes that we see in the X-Men. We've been focusing a little bit about on superheroes. And how many of you saw the most recent X-Men movie? Okay, we got a few of them around here. Oh, my goodness, go see it. It's a good movie. <laughs> but uh, in the, in the X-Men, uh, Charles Xavier would bring, all of, uh, would bring these students around to, to this, uh, this school that he developed for these mutant teenagers. And he would try to train them up so that they would know how to rightly use their powers. And some of them would fall off and, and, and abuse those powers. But others were being, would use those powers to benefit others, to benefit the world. The question constantly for them was, how do we live with these powers? And what do we do with this power? I believe that... God desires for us as the Living Stones Church to understand a beautiful unity that we have with one another. And that we will understand that more perfectly if we will permit the Holy Spirit to first transform our hearts so that we may behave as the body of Christ should. Let's look at a few verses here in chapter 4 of Ephesians. Ephesians. Starting at verse 20, Paul writes this. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." And as you look through there, you kind of see a little list, don't you? It's a process that, that Paul wants the people to understand to go through. And you can write these down. You put off your old self. You, be, you become new. And you put on the new self. 
Sounds really simple, doesn't it? It kind of sounds like Superman going into the phone booth and making a quick change, transformed by, uh, from the mild-mannered Clark Kent into Superman. But I don't think it's easy like that. I don't think it's this quick change. In fact, Paul in Romans talks about the difficulty that he had in that transformation. He says, the good that I know that I should do, I don't do it. And the things that I know that I shouldn't have a part of, the things that I don't want to be a part of my life, and I know God doesn't want to be a part of my life, I constantly go back. I constantly go to those old ways of thinking. It's not a quick transformation for any of us. And I don't think Paul wants us to look at it in, in this very simplistic way. I, want, I believe that he wants us to understand that as, as we lean into God, as we allow his Holy Spirit into our lives, that that process is a, is a constant transformation. And this truly is transforming power. When we place ourselves in humble submission to Jesus Christ, as we have accepted his lordship and mastery upon us, and then are changed in righteousness and holiness by the power of the Holy Spirit that now lives in us. That's transforming power. That's, that is the power, I believe, that God wants us to not only know about, but to experience right here as a body of believers. Last week, Carl showed us that God was doing what God was doing through us, that he was gathering us together. As a unified body of believers, he's gathering us together, and he is transforming us and our faith. And then he is empowering us to serve so that we might know and live out the power of Christ together in this world. This unity, this oneness is unique in this world that tells us that we must be independent of one another. Can we, can, the question begs to be asked, and can, we, can we ruin this unity that we have with one another? Absolutely. I think we do it all the time, unfortunately. What do people in this world truly see in the body of Christ today? By nature, I think that we struggle with this oneness. We fall out of connection with the power of the Holy Spirit because we want things our way. We want the credit. We want the recognition. We want the races. We want the promotion. We want the strokes. And so we lie to one another to cover up who we truly are so that no one will think poorly of us. And we let anger, anger get the best of us, and we run roughshod over everyone in our path. I know Satan, Satan is happy with that, isn't he? He has us just where he wants us when we don't take into consideration other people. And we cheat and we take shortcuts just to get by and say that we have completed a task and say, oh, we've worked so hard on this project. Give me the credit. And what we have really done is that we have given into a tremendous lazy streak that we have. I think, unfortunately, sometimes... One of the traits that we can identify Christians in the world as is lazy, to not lift a finger to help anyone else out. And the outcome here is that we have nothing to share when we're lazy. Is that, isn't that right? We aren't able to be generous with others because we do what we can just to get by for ourselves, and we don't bring anything else in to be generous with, with the world. One of my friends 
Uh, his name is Brian. Uh, recently called me on the phone, and he said, Lowell, I have some good news to share with you. On Easter Sunday, I was baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ, and I accepted him as Savior. Now, I've been praying for Brian for several years. He was a part of a congregation that I was, I was serving for before I moved back here to South Bend, and, and I was so blessed to receive that phone call. And the one thing that he told me was this. The thing that really changed my life, Lowell, is when I learned to give up what I had and realized that it was God's. And that was amazing to me because I have never, I don't think I've ever heard until now that someone had come to the Lord because they learned to tithe. (laughs) They learned to give of all of the abundance that God had given them, to realize that all of the work, all, all all of the effort that he put into life, that that all that God had rewarded to him was given to him so that he might be generous to other people. And as he started to give to other people, he saw their lives transformed. He saw what kind of good he could be doing in his community. And it changed him from the inside out. He said, when I learn to be generous, it is there that I found a generous God. What would it be like if all of us, as a body of believers, would understand and realize that together. <laughs> See, if I, if I am working as hard as I can to generate as much as I can to be generous with others, and I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about the gifts and the talents, my time, whatever it might be, but I am freeing myself up so that I can give and be generous with my life to other people, I can make only so much of a difference. But when you and I together can understand that it's not for us as a church to be lazy, but to work as hard as we can to be generous with everyone in our community, what kind of a difference we could make and what kind of a God we would portray to the south side of South Bend if we were open and generous. And I move on. And rather than embracing this unity that we should have with one another, we speak more highly of ourselves than we deserve, and we speak poorly of others. Instead of attaining a higher level, what we do to make ourselves feel comfortable, we lower the bar, don't we? We lower the bar because we can't get there ourselves, and we have all been in situations like this. We talk kindly to people in their face, but when we turn around, we say something completely different. We pull them down in front of other people. We strip them naked in public so the focus will turn away from our shameful way of living. This is not God designed. God designed rather for this body of believers, this unity that we share with one another, to be one where if somebody is weak, we come alongside them and lift them up in prayer and in encouragement. And when we do that, we share a unity with one another that speaks to the world more clearly of the way Christians ought to live. And we give a good picture of Jesus. When we live these ways, Paul says in verse 30 in chapter 4, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When I act unbecomingly of the kind of person that I should be in in Jesus Christ, 
I grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand the power that you have within you, the power that I have within me, that the day that I accepted Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and I was immersed into his watery grave of baptism and I have the Holy Spirit now in my life. Jesus said in John that he was going to send us a comforter, someone that was greater than him. In fact, he told, he told his disciples that when he left, that the, his disciples would continue to do the things that he did, even greater things than these. Sounds kind of strange to me. It sounds awesome as well that we would be able to do the same kind of things that Jesus did because we have the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. And when we act totally contrary to the way Jesus wants us to live, when we aren't being transformed by that Holy Spirit's power, we grieve the Holy Spirit because he's inside of us. And he's saying, that's not what I intended for you to be. I intended for you to be so much more. And when the church does not strive to become all the fullness of Christ in the world, as Sam spoke of two weeks ago, we render the church powerless in the world. It's like trying to be Superman with kryptonite around our neck. It's like Spider-Man forgetting who he is and falling from a 20-story building because he has no web. And until Thor realized that his power was meant to be used for the good of others, he was not able to even pick up the hammer. He was weak, just like any other man. Secondly, we must permit the Holy Spirit to fill us with Christ's love, to be an encouragement to one another. Look at the first two verses of chapter 5. Paul says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God doesn't desire for you and I to be weaklings. God does not want us to be sniveling cowards, hiding away in our buildings, hiding away into our corners. God wants us to claim the power that he designed for us to know and to demonstrate. And as he lives in us and through us, we are connected to him in a powerful way. We listen to his promptings and his voice. We obey his directions to make the most of each and every opportunity, even though the days are evil, and especially because the days are evil. And we go in power and must rely on the Holy Spirit to fill us. We don't just speak our words, but the Holy Spirit speaks through us, and we give testimony to all the great and mighty works that he is doing all around us because of his love. We do so, by doing so, we build up and encourage the body here at Living Stones. I think we need to reclaim the whole attitude and idea of testimony, don't we? Where we're not ashamed of what God is doing in our lives, but we are, every time that we have an opportunity to get together, we are, we are giving praise to God because we are sharing the good things that God is doing in our lives, the character that he is building with us, the, the, the supernatural and mighty acts of God that we see all around us every day and how that builds the, builds the body of believers. Open your mouth. Speak the name of Jesus. How do we claim this supernatural power? We find out what pleases God. And we make the most of every opportunity around us. I love the beautiful unity 
of the students that I work with. Uh, again, this has just been a tremendous year. And if I might share just even a little testimony of what I've seen. Um, in my wildest dreams, I would not have thought that we would have a core group of students like we've been able to have this year. And every Thursday night, uh, after one of our, our late night Bible studies, we got together at 9 o'clock in the evening because that's the way college students are. And I've had to change my entire lifestyle because of that. But that's okay. We, we, we study the Bible for about an hour and a half, and then about 10.30, uh, we head out to eat. Like, I need to eat at 10.30 at night before I go to bed. <clears throat> So we go, one of our favorite locations is to go to the uh, Steak and Shake uh, that is there over near the mall. And, and we would go there almost every, every Thursday night. And, on, and one of the things that I'll do when I go into a restaurant, and maybe you do the same thing too, is I usually try to find out what the waiter or the waitress uh, needs in the way of prayer. And, and so I've got, I've, I, got, I went in there one uh, Thursday night, and I asked Abby, who was our waitress, I said, uh, I always put somebody in my life that I can pray for. How can I pray for you? And, and Abby said, well, I'm a single mom, and I work two jobs, and this is one of them. And uh, uh, I have a little two-year-old girl, and, uh, and I just would like for you to pray for strength because I'm tired, and I need to pay my bills. And I said, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And I got really excited about this because I'm here with my students, and a few of them, you know, kind of listen in here, and, oh, that's kind of strange that you did something like that. And uh, so we got to talking, and we, we began praying for Abby. Every week, we'd pray for Abby. And, and every time we went to Steak and Shake, she was there in, in, in the store. And I would ask her how she's doing. Is God giving her strength? And I believe God's going to do something with that. Well, after a while, it was, uh, uh, um, I believe it was close to Christmas time, uh, we had Abby again as our waitress. And, and the students started talking amongst themselves. Actually, earlier on during the Bible study, one of our, one of our students said, you know, when you go to Steak and Shake, uh, please be kind to the waitress that you have and don't forget to tip them because sometimes college students can be kind of cheap. I mean, they don't have two dimes to rub together anyway, but, you know, save a little bit of back so you can tip your waitress. And so after that prompting, the students decided we want to really tip our waitress well. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could collect a large tip for her? And so they made a little paper hat out of the the mat that was there on the table, and they passed it around the table and collected almost $100. There was 20 students that collected $100 for her. It was so funny because we left it on the table. We all paid, walked out as fast as we could. But then you should have saw the students kind of peeking in the window <laughs> at 11.30 at night, wondering what kind of action she was, what, what was going to be her reaction. God has empowered us to be the love of Christ in the world. He has given us his Holy Spirit that prompts us to do so. And if you and I aren't listening to it, we are going to miss every opportunity that we have that God is giving us. Listen to Paul's words. He says in verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Get drunk in the Holy Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I have a hard time with that last part, that submission. How about you? Just recently, my... My youngest son just turned 16, and 
we're kind of in a rush to get him his uh, uh, um, permit so he could take driver's ed, which he is doing, and he's doing a very good job. But I hate the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and I, I, don't know, I, I don't know what it is about Indiana. And if you work for the BMV, I'm sorry. I'm not getting, putting you down or anything. But you, just, you have to practically give them uh, a sample of your blood to prove who you are when you go into that place. And so if your 16-year-old son is, or daughter is going to go, you're going to go and get that permit, not only do you have to have the birth certificate and you have to have the Social Security card, but you also have two other forms of ID that prove that they live there. And generally, you don't have those kind of things because your, your kids aren't paying bills. So in order for him to be identified as my son and living in my home at that address, I then also have to provide four items, documents, to prove I am who I am and that I am his father. Like I said, it's about like giving DNA sample of your blood to them to prove that. So I have, I laid it all out. You know, I'm trying to prepare and I had it all done on Monday. And guess what? The BMV is closed on Monday. <clears throat> Everybody else works in the state of Indiana, but the BMV is closed on Monday. Can you tell them I'm having a problem with this? So on Tuesday, I, I take him down to the BMV and I had all those, all that paperwork that I had. But you know what I forgot to do? I had say, I had brought all, I don't have my birth certificate, but I have a passport, which is just as good. But I didn't want my passport stuck with all of that because it could slip out. And so I put it in the pocket of my pants to keep it safe. And I wore a different pair of pants the next day, of course. And so I got there, and I'm so frustrated. And she said, oh, you know, do you have anything else and all of this kind of stuff? And I'm like, no, I don't. And I just, I really had a hard time. So I had to come back the next day, and I brought all of that information. And guess what the lady said when I got up there? I don't need that information. You have a little star on your license that shows, and I thought, oh, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. And she saw it. She's like, I'm so sorry. She, she knew. She looked in my face, and she knew that I was upset. And my son, my 16-year-old son, had the attitude of Christ. With a smile on his face, he said, that's okay. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Boy, did I feel this low. <laughs> what makes me any more special than anyone else? That I think that I can get a, go into a place and have any kind of special treatment. Submit to one another. That's beautiful. No one is greater than the other. None of us deserve any kind of title. We have such a bad reputation because we act the way we, we, that we do in the world. And as a result... As a result of this transforming power of the Holy Spirit, our lives are changed. And the proverbial pecking order is taken away that we have become so accustomed to. Instead, of, instead it becomes easier and gives us great joy to submit to one another in love. Our marriages become stronger because we take on the example of Christ to become one body. The two shall become one flesh. It is no longer my interest over the other person's interest, but our interest together. And we honor, honor is restored in our home and may be discovered in our home within the family as we give and receive discipline in love. We understand that God provides work as an opportunity to show love and respect. And rather than looking at our job as a necessary evil to make ends meet, we see that God has placed us in those positions of work as opportunity to be a blessing to other people 
as we strive to please our co-workers and praise our master. I, was, uh, I shared with you just a little bit uh, about Ren Fair at Reed College. And uh, in uh, Donald Miller's book, Blue Like Jazz, he talks about during that time that those, that small group of Christian people that, uh, that had been praying for their campus uh, had gotten together before Ren Fair, and they thought, what do we do during this time? Going back to that question at the beginning, what, what do we do with our faith on this college campus, especially during the most difficult hedonistic time when everybody is partying? Do we just kind of hide ourselves into a building? And one of the guys came up with the idea, let's, let's build a confessional booth in the middle of the campus. What? Donna Miller says, are you crazy? Are we going to open up a confession booth so that the, the students can come to us and, and confess their sins? You're nuts. And as they talked about it, they said, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And Donna was almost completely against it. In fact, he, he, he got to thinking, you know what, I'd rather just join the party because that's where everybody's having fun. I don't want to be a downer out here in the middle of campus. And the day before they, uh, they invited, they built the confession booth, they walked around. They even, they went the full way. The guys walked around in monks' outfits. Everybody was in costume anyway, so they kind of fit in. But they said they were inviting the students to come to the confession booth to confess sins. That's all they said, to confess sins. And, some, and they were actually surprised that several people, you know, were just kind of interested in what was going on. And uh, so the next day came, and Donald was the first one to go into the confession booth in his monk costume. He said he was smoking a pipe, sitting in there, waiting half hour, whatever it was. And finally, a student actually came to the confession booth. And he walked in there, and, and he was taken by surprise because Donald said, I don't want you to confess your sins to me. I want to confess my sins to you. And the student said, what are you confessing? And he said, I shook my head and I looked to the ground. He said, everything, I told him. Explain, he said. There's a lot. I will keep it short, I started. Jesus said to feed the poor and to heal the sick. And I have never done much, very much about that. Jesus said to love those who persecute me. I tend to lash out, especially if I feel threatened, you know. My ego gets threatened. Jesus did not mix his spirituality with politics. I grew up doing just that. It got in the way of the central message of Christ. I know that was wrong, and I know that a lot of people will not listen to the words of Christ because people like me who know him carry our own agendas into the conversation rather than just relying, relaying the message Christ wanted to get across. There's a lot more, you know. It's all right, man, Jake said very tenderly. His eyes were starting to water. Well, I said, clearing my throat, I am sorry for all of that. And Jake said, I forgive you, and he meant it. That is submission to one another for Christ that we were willing to put ourselves in a position equal with other people in the world, to lift them up and encourage them. That we as, we as Christians in the world, we, we, don't, we don't have any kind of special privileges here, save that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to have an impact in the world. And we as a church have a great opportunity. I want to close by reading a scripture for you to meditate on as you consider the power that God has given you and I. In Isaiah chapter 54, uh, God gives a message to Isaiah, and he says this. 
Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. When you leave here today, what will be your attitude? What will be your, your thought? Will you be led by the power of the Holy Spirit, this supernatural power to do something that, that will have an effect in the world? I encourage you that when you leave this place today to look to the right and to the left and allow God to, to lengthen your, your, your cords of influence, to strengthen your discipleship in, in Him so that you and I and we as the body of believers at Living Stones can have a tremendous effect in our community and in the world. Make the most of every opportunity that you have today. Let me pray with you. Father in heaven, we thank you for the uh, opportunity to be here. We thank you, Father, that uh, we can come alongside you right now, that we can listen to your voice, that we can testify of your great love and show love to one another. And Father, I pray that this morning that you would go with us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, that you would direct us, and that your name would be praised. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.